existence In existence, join the resistance Come on, let's start by talking tactics Have a pass and match us Here's how we practice Hey everybody, welcome to Pop Culture Continuum, this is John Elliott. This is Patrick McCarty. And joining us again this week is... Hi, this is Jessica. How are you? <laughs> oh, lovely. And yourself? <laughs> Very well, thank you. Oh, I thought she was talking to the listeners. <laughs> John. <laughs> well, if, she, if she's in psychic rapport with the listeners, uh, she doesn't need to ask them out loud. And if she's not, um, she's kind of a dummy for asking people who can't talk back. They know. You know who I am talking to. Okay. And uh, Pat, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you for asking, John. Are you a musical robot? Not at the current moment. So this <laughs> week we are doing, suggested by Jessica, which is why she's on. Uh, you want to tell us what we're doing, Jessica? So I thought it was pretty funny that Stephen Colbert was going to be hosting uh, David Letterman's Tonight Show, or no, Late Show, sorry, um, and taking over because Elvis Costello actually hosted it back in 2003, and Costello and Stephen Colbert have a lot of um, fandom for each other, and they've appeared together, done a Christmas special together, so I wanted to talk about Elvis Costello versus Stephen Colbert, both as late show hosts and as musicians all right so let's i will start the first half with well elvis. it's going to go back and forth but yeah we'll we'll say elvis costello is first so uh what was your what's your history with elvis costello jessica oh well that's a long history um well my neighbors were military men and they would hang out outside um, on e weekend evenings with the doors open because it was really hot. We'd all have our doors open and they'd be playing armed forces uh, on their record player really loud. And I'd be home probably alone, like my mom would be out or something. And I'd just hang out and talk to them. And so they kind of introduced me to Elvis Costello's music. And then they were like telling me about that whole sort of category of music because I had no idea I would hear Elvis Costello on the radio and I wouldn't know if it was him or Joe Jackson or Graham Parker. That's how in the dark I was at that point. But I liked all of them. And then I ended up asking for um, this year's model. Wait, you cut out? Model on set in birthday present, which I received. Hello? Yeah, you're here. You're back. Uh, okay. What was the last thing I we said? We got it all. It just kind of, there was like a break in between. Uh, or okay. a pause, it's fine. Anyway, I got this year's model on cassette, and that was sort of what I listened to for a long time. And I would just local radio station incessantly um, requesting Elvis Costello songs to the point where they got to know me. And like I even hung out with a lot of the people, the interns like who were in college at that radio station who like took me to my first concert, took me to see Echo and the Bunnymen. And it's all because I was like this, the Elvis Costello girl who like, would not stop bugging them to play. Um, I'm trying to think of the song, probably Lipstick Vogue. I probably wanted them to play that one all the time. Great drums. That, <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> and so how, that was the beginning. Yeah. And how long before Elvis Costello filed a restraining order against you? <laughs> you know, I've yet to meet him or stalk him, to be honest. So I've never even waited after a concert or anything. So I have seen him many times. Um, I think the first time was when he played with Nick Lowe 
um, at the open air theater here in San Diego. And I, and at a certain quiet moment, there was a lull and I did shout, I love you, Elvis. So oh, and he did look those. up. He did, yeah, I was at 13. Yes. At 13, I was one of the Elvis Costello <laughs> and Nick Lowe. Yeah. That's That's a great concert. Yeah. That would, it was that pretty would be awesome great. to see. Yeah. Although it does sound like it's not like you stalked him, but you were breaking the law in support of him. Exactly. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, uh, I've, I just find it funny that uh, military dudes were listening to armed forces. Like maybe they just thought that because of the title, it was going to be. Uh... I know. Thinking back on it, they were pretty hip though, actually. They were pretty nice guys. They yeah. That was going to be my question. If they, <laughs> if it was a mistake that they were listening to that <laughs> album. No, I think they actually saw him. Um, I can't remember now the name of the first tour that Elvis Costello was on in the U.S. They had actually gone to see him. I think it was with Blondie. It was some kind of summer pop. You know, it didn't seem very punk rock at the time, but it was sort of marketed as as punk. But um, I can't think of the name now. Anyway, they went. To, they even went to see him live and everything. So they were big fans. Oh, that's cool. And uh, Armed Forces originally titled. Do you? Do you know? It's my mind. Accidents will happen, probably, because they oh, uh, printed the cover inside out. It, well, it was originally going to oh. be called uh, Emotional Fascism. Exactly, Emotional Fascism. But I have a copy of the record where it's called Accidents Will Happen, and it's printed inside out. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's probably why I remembered that. Sorry, I forgot about the Emotional Fascism part. <laughs> eBay. <laughs> Pat? I'd have to f- find it first. Yeah, Pat, what do you think of Elvis Costello? Do you have Costello? a history with Elvis Costello? Or? It's, it's not as deep as you guys. I, I, listened, I listened a lot to Spike. I had that CD. I, well, I think my brother had it, but I really liked it. And I listened to it all the time. But other than that, I had a best of. So that's how I know Elvis Costello and from more pop culture stuff. But I love the stuff I've heard. And I really love Spike. I, I guess I got Do you that know, um, I did. Go ahead. I guess I got that like uh, freshman year of high school and I listened to it all the time. And one song, oh, uh, the uh, Veronica, I used to change the words because there was a girl I was uh, in love with in high school. And I was like, I'd sing her name instead. Even so, though that was about Elvis's grandma going to see It didn't that. matter. It didn't matter. Just the one part where he sings the, sings the name, that's all that mattered to me. Oh, I did um, Miss Macbeth for my English class for poetry. Um, that year freshmen we were allowed to we were allowed to use music and i remember asking the librarian at school what's a gollywog i didn't i didn't know what it was she didn't either it was really funny i since know what that is but um at the time i didn't i think yeah i think his first well i don't count almost blue because it's a cover covers album um but his first i don't know six or seven records were all uh uniformly excellent up to where did where did he kind of lose it? Uh, was it uh, uh, Goodbye Cruel World? I thought was kind of eh. Correct. Um, <laughs> but Get Happy was my first Elvis Costello cassette back in the days, those days. Uh, and uh, I think that's still my favorite overall, Get Happy. Although I think it has I'm some my... great songs. Secondary yeah. Modern. Uh, the Imposter is great. Good songs. Love for Tender. Yeah. Thank uh, Man from Uncle, Man Called Uncle. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, I think I'm in the minority with with that one. Um, but oh, I, it has some of the best lyrics on it. You lackluster, you're so lackluster. Yeah, I love that one. No, yeah. <laughs> there's newsprint all over your face. 
face. Maybe that's why I can read you like a book. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> well, he was always good at the wordplay, even if it didn't necessarily mean anything. Um, but he, so we watched some clips actually too of, uh, of Elvis Costello's monologue when he took over for Dave, David Letterman, when he had shingles and, uh, and he did a thing and he's got, he's got good timing. I mean, he wouldn't, he doesn't have like great comedian timing, but he's got really good timing for a non-comedian. Yeah. I thought he was really funny. I wonder who wrote it. Like I was thinking if I could find out <laughs> if he actually wrote what he said or if a writer did it. It was him. probably I Dave's writers. Staff, yeah. I would guess that. I love the song. I loved his, the, the punchline of the song was probably his, the best part of the whole thing where he said, but can you sing? Let's hear you sing. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. But it, it is, it is kind of a trend now. It's like this evolution in late night hosts. If you look at, at Jay Leno compared to Jimmy Fallon or Dave Letterman compared to Stephen Colbert, it's like they have this this new style of, um, but it's kind of like this old-fashioned variety show style of talent that mm -hmm. these new hosts have, where they're actually, they do sing and dance, and they, they have to be funny, but they also have to be um, compassionate, and they have, they have to have, like, all these skills that I don't think they used to have to have. Until, Steve, like, Allen was, Steve Allen kind of had all that. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Kind of going That's back what she's saying, beginning. yeah, like, going back to the old school, like, variety yeah. type, yeah. Um, and, and Stephen Colbert fits into that. But Elvis Costello does, too. I don't know if you ever went to his spinning songbook tour. I've I seen it, it. Tw twice now. I saw it the first time, and then I saw it, you know, 20 years later back in, I saw it in Brussels last year. And he has, <clears throat> sorry, he has this character, and he kind of did a little of it during his monologue, but he has this sort of game show hosty kind of vaudevillian character that he does. And he does that during his concerts, too. Yeah, he's he's obviously a performer, and he knows how to work the stage, which is why he worked on Letterman um, as host. Here's I have a question for you, Jessica, since you're a, a super fan, um, and I don't really know the answer to this. And I know somebody who's actually friends with Elvis Costello, but I don't think he knows either. Um, the original Attractions bass player, was it uh, Bruce Thomas? Yes, I thought was, so. Was... I mean, and Pete he, Thomas is the drummer. The drummer. Yeah, Thomas, I, yeah. I always yeah. get him mixed up. Um, the but, one that he's in a fight with. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what the fight's about? Like he was, he's basically touring with the attractions, but with Minus the guy from him. Cracker. Yeah. Instead right. Of him. Right. Because I think um, he wrote a book called the big wheel and he kind of dissed Elvis Costello in that book and uh, wrote like, you know, stuff from that should have remained private maybe, and maybe things that weren't even true. So I apparently, if you watch the footage from their induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's very cold, but it's sort of like they're making up, but, you know, not really. <laughs> not enough to bring him back into the band. No, <laughs> no, no. And the Imposters was a, a pretty good band, too. Oh, um, I think I, so. I mean, it's basically the attractions, like I said. Minus, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they still have some animosity, I, I, I've read. Ah, oh, that's too bad. Although, then again, it's only the bass player. <laughs> He's still got the drummer. <laughs> He's got the drummer and Steve Naive. That's all yeah. you need. He doesn't need more than that. But have He's you seen... He's pretty good on his own, too. Yeah, he is. He can he can do the solo thing. Um, is that how you saw him? When you saw him with Nick Lowe, were they solo or did they have bands with him? He was solo then. That's true. He was solo and he he did like part of his set was acoustic and part I'm going way back in my brain now because it was 
I, I was 13 at the yeah, I think he had his, he brought acoustic and uh, electric. And he brought like a little beatbox out with him to do watching the detectives and pump it up. So without a band. Yeah. So he brought in some extra help at the time to do that. Yeah. I've never, I've seen Nick Lowe a couple of times, but I've never seen him with a band. It's always been, I don't think, I think. Oh it's no, Nick Lowe's. Yeah. He was just solo. Yeah. Both times. I've seen him in a, I've seen him twice, but yeah, both times it was. I saw him with uh, Robin Hitchcock. Actually, that was a good show. Uh, yeah, that would have been great. Yeah, although they were, it was at the Fillmore, and like when you go into the Fillmore, they always pat you down for weapons. And I was just remember thinking, do you honestly think there's any any shit gonna go down at a Nick Lowe Robin Hitchcock concert? <laughs> Seemed ridiculous. Have you seen uh, Spectacle? Either of you, Elvis Costello's show? No. I think it's on Netflix. I saw all of them. Um, and it's so cute because he's such a fan, you know, he's really good at being humble and, but he, so it's like, he just really lucked out. He got to play with all his favorite people. So he just talks to them and then he'll play music with, um, it was pretty good. And then he had, um, oh, why are these names escaping me? He had like. Lou Reed was on. That was a good episode. And Smokey yeah. Robinson. And he even had you so, two on. And yeah, so, you two. Bill Clinton. He talked to Bill Clinton, Bruce Springsteen. Um, and then he had like groups of people that, whose music kind of went together. I think he had like Chris Christopherson and then combined with some other um, Richard Thompson, I think. And then yeah, he had. Yeah. Um, but who is the woman from Weeds, the actress? Oh, uh, what's her name? Mary Louise Parker. Right. So she interviewed him. So when the episode was about him, she conducted the interview. So, And he sang to her on stage. Every woman would be jealous, I think. <laughs> you were going to say, Pat? So uh, Spectacles is, is basically a, his talk show. He brings people on interviews and then sings with them. Is that? Yeah, musicians mostly. Yeah. And it's from, uh, it was on BBC? Or it was is on that... IFC here, I think. But originally, was it? Oh, so it was originally IFC? That's pretty no cool. Idea. Yeah. I haven't heard yeah, of it. Yeah, it was originally, and I don't think there's any more episodes of it. He no. plays a song with uh, Zoe Deschanel and um, Jenny Lewis also. Yeah, it was, it was good. Definitely worth checking out. Zoe Deschanel, man. She, she was on the, did you hear that Prince single he did with her? I did hear, I did see his uh, guest appearance on New Girl, but I don't know about the song. Yeah, they he released a single with her on it. So uh. oh, the episode with him on New Girl was funny. It was pretty surreal. Uh, yeah, and I think as I mentioned to you, Pat, it doesn't didn't seem like his acting had gotten any better since 1984 necessarily, but it was a decent episode um, despite his bad acting. So I want to hear more about this uh, girl that Pat sang Veronica to back in I freshman I didn't sing era. it to her. I sang it in my head <laughs> to her, never actually to her. And that's why he, you, you're not married right now. <laughs> I guess so. And what was her name? It was like, was it Brunhilde It was Monica. So, oh, I, Monica. Just, <laughs> so I had to stretch it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you do a verse of that? No, John's are <laughs> singing a portion of the show. <laughs> Monica! <laughs> there you go. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, uh, good old Elvis. Uh, I really shouldn't have admitted to that story. 
I want this all excised. <laughs> It'll be stricken from the record. Thanks. As soon as I send the audio to Monica. Do you keep in touch? Yeah. No. That's what what was your first impression of Elvis Costello's voice? Being like not a this crazy crazed fan like I am. What what do you first what did you first think when you heard him? Are you asking Pat? I'm asking Pat, yeah. I I remember liking it. I I don't remember having any specific thoughts though. Like is his uh yeah, I just I enjoyed the whole thing. I enjoyed how dark it it got at times. It was that I'm I'm thinking specifically of Spike because there's a couple real dark. There's a is there's a isn't there a death penalty song on there? I forget the name. Let of him it. dangle. Yep. Um, yeah, there's tramp, a tramp, tramp the, the dirt, dirt down. down. Yeah, of course. It's a yeah. There's a, a few dark songs and that. I don't know. I enjoyed I enjoyed them at the time. I don't remember anything any specific thoughts about his voice though. I must have liked it. I like it now. So. Yeah, I never had a problem with his voice. No, that was kind of the thing that, you know, when I would keep playing his music over and over again for everyone around me, some people got into it. <laughs> some people were like, oh, no, not the voice, that voice. Really? So, <laughs> yeah. But every time someone hears or sees him now, they always think of me <laughs> in my friends, group of friends. <laughs> so it is pretty funny. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I kind of came out of punk, so I, it wasn't like a bad voice wasn't necessarily... It's not that his voice is bad. I mean, I think it's gotten better over the years, too. Um, it's just maybe more limited than some. But, you know, it's not as limited as, like, Joe Strummer or Shane McGowan or somebody either. So, And I know a lot of people hated uh, the dude from Midnight Oil's voice. Mm-hmm. So Elvis was definitely more tuneful than any of them. So, and he's uh, done so much now to prove that he can sing by doing all these different genre records. Right. Even married someone to make him look like a more reputable singer. He was he was married to uh, the bass player for the Pogues for a while, too. Right. That wasn't enough. No, not enough for him. He had to go to Diana Krall, who I don't care for, I have to say. Her music. How about personally? I, on a personally, personal level. Uh, personally, I loathe her. She's, She's Canadian. Yeah. So. Just that... Oh, that incessant politeness it gets on my nerves sorry it's it's kind of like elevator music yeah diana crawl which which that's similar it's my impression which is maybe a a charge you can level against some later elvis costello stuff as well correct (laughs) i think (laughs) i think i haven't really been excited by anything he's done since like uh when i was cruel no, I agree. I agree there. I mean, I've I've listened. I actually bought the um, double LP with the Roots. It's um, oh yeah, and played it on vinyl. And it's there's a couple good. I like some of it, but it seems like it's again some things that have just been reworked. Um, it's right because he he's using uh, like pills and soap lyrics just with new music. Yeah. 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 I haven't. I mean, I've bought everything. I just nothing's really like jumped out at me for a while. But at least he's trying. At, at no, his age, peace, peace, love, and understanding. That's that's a song. I always thought it was his song, but Nick Lowe wrote that, right? Yep. Was it when he when that got to be a hit? Was it well known that it wasn't his song? I think so. 
Okay. Just I didn't. He would realize. bring it up himself. I mean, he would often give credit and give props to Nick Lowe when he would play it. He right. would often mention it himself. So he tried to get the word out <laughs> that it was Nick Lowe's song. It just didn't hit me for years and years. I always, I mean, I heard it on a best of CD and I really liked it. And then I, I think it might have been five years ago. I found out it wasn't something he wrote because I just didn't look at the liner notes. And how I don't even think I've heard the Nick Lowe version. Is it is it very different? Well, Nick Lowe wrote it when he was in a group called Brinsley Schwartz, which was like a pub rock group in the early '70s. And I think Nick Lowe's version was kind of meant to be kind of ironic or kind of sarcastic, making fun of like the hippie mindset. Oh, okay. But uh, Elvis did it straight, which I think is the much better version. And also. Especially at the end of uh, Armed Forces, which is just like a horror show. Most of the songs on that album, lyrically, uh, then to end with that was perfect. Yeah, it's a great show. Uh, they used it on um, Stephen Colbert's Christmas special also. Yeah, I listened to that. Um, <laughs> which was, a, did you actually watch the performance? No, I, I didn't find that. It was just right before the right before the podcast. I, was just, uh, I did a search for it because I had read that they did that just to see what it sounded like. And it was pretty fun. Yeah, Elvis Costello is dressed in a bear suit, I think, uh, <laughs> singing it. And uh, Feist is dressed as an angel, and John Legend is there, and Toby Keith, and Willie Nelson. And it's it's an amazing Christmas show. I could watch it 10 times a year, even not at Christmas time. And Costello plays a big role in it, so you can see that he and um, Stephen Colbert are kindred spirits, for sure. In well, work so and 10 personally. times a year, is that like 10, there's 10 months, but there's two months you just can't take it? <laughs> it's just to put a round number on it. I haven't watched it in a while, but I, I did. When I was living in Belgium, I watched it a lot <laughs> to get into the Christmas spirit. Wow, I guess some of us have to name drop where we've lived. <laughs> well, I think you'd want to be in the Christmas spirit if you lived there too. Well, living in America, I watch in Bruges to get into the Christmas spirit. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Where did you live in Belgium? I think we asked you, but I can't remember. Was it Brussels? I lived in Antwerpen. Oh. <laughs> That's where I lived. It's the, the the diamond city. Most people haven't heard of it. <laughs> no, I've, I've heard of Antwerp. I mean, that's how we say it over here. <laughs> no offense. I've heard Ghent is really nice, too. Ghent? It's very, I, it's very nice. And uh, Elvis, I saw Elvis Costello in all of those places. I've seen him. I, I saw much more in Belgium than in in the states, and it was a lot easier to get into the front row because it was a lot of like not, you know um, shows without seating or um, places where you could get tickets really quickly. Even though it would all you know his shows would sell out, but it just seemed a lot easier to get um, tickets over there than it was here. Well, sure, and and then the the Belgians are also anemic. You can just kind of force your way to the front anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, I thought Belgians were heavy from all the chocolate. Did you just call them Belgiums? <laughs> and beer. Yeah. Are they called Belgiums? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yes, the Belgiums, but the Belgian Costello fans, they're all kind of, you know, weak. So you can just push them out of the way. That's true. So what is your favorite Elvis Costello album? Probably, it's really hard, but I, my favorite song is Watch Your Step. And Ooh, so tra- Trust is probably, and I love the way he looks in that period in the videos and on the cover of the trust, trust album yeah. 
And um, I guess watch your step. I, I heard that he had written it on some scraps of paper when he was just like a teenager riding home on the, the train or something. Um, so it's funny that he recorded it, you know, later, not on his first record. And um, it's still, yeah, it's my favorite song. Yeah, that's a great song, especially. And, and what was the why am I blanking right now? What was the bigger hit off that album? Trust. Um the one with Squeeze? Wasn't it the one with the guy from no, Squeeze? No, not that one. That's uh, from Whisper to a Scream. Oh, right. Um, damn it. It's got that like real, real weird uh, Steve Naive piano solo in the middle that goes all kind of classical and stuff. Um, Town uh, Crier? No, that no. wasn't a hit. <laughs> I don't know what is Boys it. and girls, moms and dads. Oh, Clubland. Oh, that's yeah, that's right. Yeah. That but was yeah. That was the bigger hit, but then I, I always... I didn't like that song. Yeah, I always let, thought Watch Your Step was a million times better. Yeah, and and then my other one, my other favorite song is New Lace Sleeves, and that's also on that record, and I just love the lyrics of that one. Yeah, that's a really good album, Shot, Shot by His Own Gun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Unlike a lot of his other work, but any, what's your favorite? Well, mine get happy, like I said. I think it's. Oh yeah, that's right. I mean, it's that or this year's model or. Well, what's your favorite song on get on get happy? I think it might actually be love for tender or uh, actually, you know what, New Amsterdam probably. That's a great one too. I had um the picture disc of that one with his face in tulips, but I lost <laughs> it along the way somewhere. <laughs> it was a very beautiful record. Yeah, I once had an Iron Maiden picture disc. I'm sure it was almost as lovely. Uh, Pat, well, Pat's favorite, I guess, is Spike, right? Yeah. Because other uh, than Greatest Hits, that's all you've really owned. I, I think I had an, another Elvis Costello, but I don't remember it as well. I, I just remember the picture on the cover had a little kid and it was black and white. What was that? Was that uh, Brutal Youth? Brutal Youth. Yeah. Brutal Youth. But I don't remember Brutal Youth nearly as well as I remember, uh, remember Spike. But, so uh, Veronica, Veronica it is then. Is that your favorite one? Uh Maybe that's the one I remember the best, but I did like "Let Them Dangle," and I and Pat's "Paws and Claws" was really good too. So yeah, I like that one. It was just it was a good disc. So and if Monica Lewinsky is listening, I I'm sorry I brought you up. She's she's sorry too. She doesn't need it anymore. Her <laughs> whole year in the media started. Her trial started all over again this year. R.I.P. R.I.P. Monica. Um, yeah, so <laughs> now I'm kind of, I'm kind of at a loss as to, uh, what to say about Elvis Costello. Well, you want to take a break? We um, could. I could keep talking, but I think it might bore some people. We'll, we'll bring Elvis Costello back up in the, uh, in the Stephen Colbert segment. So, How about that? Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> okay, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. We had a comrade, a brave comrade, he could talk for whole days. But then he tried to be a hero, tried talking about Shanmiro to computers wearing earphones. He almost died for conversation, hallucinations, good vibrations. Van Dyke Park's Greyhound Racing, steeplechasing. Take some time and patience. 
All right, and we're back, and uh, we are now going to talk about Stephen Colbert, the Elvis Costello for a new generation. That's that's exactly his slogan for the new show. I would think so. That'll get him viewers. Well, we should maybe mention one of the uh, connections with Costello. When Elvis Costello came on his show, on the Stephen Colbert show, um, he lost his voice. So he asked Stephen Colbert to sing the song for him. And he sang uh, Cheap Reward, which was not even actually released on one of the Costello albums. It was sort of one of the outtakes, which uh, Stephen Colbert did a, a very good job of. Yeah. 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 We, and that's available on YouTube to watch for people. <laughs> it was on Comedy Central for a while. Oh, but I think... Um, but his duet with Dolly Parton is also excellent. Did you guys see that one? I did see that, yeah. I didn't see that, but I, going back to the, the YouTube video of, of him doing Cheap Reward, I, I like the camera work that's done on that. The close-ups of his face. <laughs> I mean the camera work of the person taking a video of the TV. Oh, yes, and he kept like zooming out to show his whole screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is off the computer. <laughs> Yeah, when I first saw it, I was like, this is a weird way to film this. And then I realized it was some dude filming it off his TV. Um, I thought it was maybe the Colbert Report's producer's idea to put some kind of like weird uh, framing on that. Well, it was. I mean, that's obviously the producer who did that YouTube video, but it's, it was unofficial. Oh, right. Of course. <laughs> He's the underground producer of the Colbert Report. So Stephen Colbert, I assume we all uh, found out about from The Daily Show. Well, I think we... That's the wasn't first Strange time I Can saw him. Wasn't uh, Strangers with Candy first or was Daily Show first? Damn it, I think you might be right. I can't remember No, Strangers that. with Candy was first, but I, I never saw it when it came out. So yeah, that was first, Strangers with Candy. And then he was on the Dana Carvey show, too. I didn't see the Dana Carvey show, but I, I liked Strangers with Candy because Amy Sedaris is, is awesome. I love Amy Sedaris, so I watched that. And he was really good on that. And then I, f I guess I, f I don't even remember if I realized it was the same person when I watched The Daily Show, but I love him on The Daily Show. Loved him on The Daily Show. I, I saw and the first episode of Strangers with Candy. Can you explain to me like how it progresses? I mean, Stephen Colbert, he played in that episode, like, like, which is kind of what he always plays, although I read his character was um, a gay teacher. But he, the I mean, he played like this person who isn't supposed to be funny. That's what I mean. Yeah, but he he is hilarious always. Yeah, no, he's I'm, great. Uh, there, there's no real progression to Strangers with Candy. I would say, <laughs> I no. would say it's pretty much stuck in a rut. Um, I mean, intentionally so, not in a bad way. Um, and that's the story of the main character's life. But yeah, he was a gay teacher uh, with his lover Joffrey, who was also hilarious on that show. Do you know who that was? Was that Paul Danello or something, Pat? Was it? Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was who Paul Danello. I can't. Yeah, I don't remember. I didn't remember him that being his lover. I forgot about that. <laughs> it's been a while since I watched the show. And I, I think he was also one of the voices in Ambiguously Gay Duo. Yes, he was. Yeah, him and Steve Carell. Okay. Which is crazy. Okay. Which but is, I never oh. heard of it at that point. I missed that. So. Yeah, you were you were living it up in Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> So, what are you going to say, Pat? It's crazy. Belgium. Uh, just the the amount of great work. I mean, great artists have come out of the Daily Show, and be, and gone on to do other things. It's like it's. I guess it's now. It's what Saturday Night Live used to be. You have Colbert, Stephen Carell. I guess it's only three, but it feels like more. Well, I I think 
uh, if I'm not mistaken, Carell and Colbert were both uh, members of One Second City. Oh, okay. At at the same time. I think they were, but they didn't work together. I think it was like maybe Carell was a star and Colbert was kind of working his way in or vice versa. It was something like that. I remember hearing that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know for sure either. If only there was a way to verify this kind of thing. Unfortunately, there is, there's, there's not. It's lost the mist of time. Yeah. You just have to go by hearsay. We might find a book one day that describes the actual events. Yeah, yeah. If we're lucky. Written by some old wise man, but until then. Um, yeah, so, oh, you, man, I would think you would be a big uh, Strangers with Candy fan, Jessica. I Well, I just did, like I said, I did watch the first episode, and I was surprised to see Stephen Colbert in it, because I was just watching it because of Amy Sedaris, and then... Um, I yeah, I have to see if I'm going to invest in the rest of the series at this point. <laughs> but it kind of blew my mind. <laughs> so, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, and funny. there's the, the have you guys seen the episode of Law and Order Criminal Intent that Stephen Colbert was in? No. Oh no. Just a, a total dramatic role. No, no, it was bef- I think it was around the I same time not. he was doing the Daily Show and he just for he yeah, it was. It's interesting to see him just in a entirely no, no irony, just a dramatic role playing playing a killer. Well, I I love that about him anyway because he always play he, the person he is, he's very altruistic, um, and you see his own heart coming through in what he does, and like you see things he really, I think you see he's not his cynical at all, even though he plays this character who kind of exemplifies some cynicism but he yeah he really lets his own love of the country i would say he's very um patriotic but he's but he still really makes fun of patriotic people so i like that about him and uh colbert report has been on what nine years has it been that long probably something like that i can't believe he's still convincing representatives to come on for uh get to know your district or whatever that spit is called because they get ripped apart every right. time. I don't understand why they ever say yes. I think, <laughs> I think a lot of Democrats think it will be a good way to show that they have a sense of humor. And I think a lot of Republicans actually believe that he's a uh, conservative. I think anymore. They can't believe it. The, the, I think in the second year of the show, the RNC actually sent out memos to the effect of don't go on the show. He is not a conservative. <laughs> That's awesome. The fact that they had to do that it really says a lot about the intelligence level. Yeah. Or I guess I guess the level of comedic intelligence among Republicans. Well, speaking of which, did did you guys see his uh him in Congress? That's the best Congress thing since Mr. Rogers. It was awesome. Yep. Did you see it, Jessica? No, I haven't seen it. I remember when it was kind of I saw some of his campaign um, when he was campaigning his run for president, but I didn't see. Um, oh, you got to see him speaking to Congress. Yeah, I, shoot, I can't even remember what he was talking to them about. Do you, Pat? I, I, for some reason, I thought it was immigration, but that can't be right. I think it might. Yeah. It, oh, yeah, that's correct. I think it might have been. Yeah. And, so. and of course, his uh, White House correspondence dinner was goes in the all-time record of of great, uh, well, just bad ideas by the Republican Party. It, and it, it watching it, I hadn't watched it for a while. I guess maybe two months ago, I watched it again. It's amazing how 
it, it, it makes you cringe how ev- not evil, but how he's really he doesn't pull any punches. <laughs> it's just awesome. No, I I admire him so much for being able to do that kind of thing because uh, yeah, I would be I would be pissing my pants if I was in that position. The only poor part of it was the the the, the taped bit with uh, Helen Thomas. That's the only part I didn't like. It was just kind of there, but everything else was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I, I still didn't. I don't think I saw it recently, so I'll have to look. look yeah, that you got to go yeah. back and find it's, that. It's it's worth watching. I don't think I ever watched the whole thing all the way through. I think when it came out, it was reported, and I'd I'd watch clips here and there. But recently, I watched the whole thing all the way through, and it's just it's 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 brave. What he did, I don't know. If brave is the right word, but it was you know it takes balls to get up there and insult the leader of the free world in front of everybody. So I guess it's maybe brave is too strong a word, but it, courageous and. And he doesn't break at all. Yeah. <laughs> Good. It's a great concept. I mean, I've watched all the subsequent ones now every year, you know, watch them, the different comedians. And um, I think, yeah, you have to have some bravado to go up there and with all that pressure and be funny and be still be true to yourself. So it's really good. Of course, they that he did it. They had. They I think it's funny how it's harder to do a podcast about people you really, really it's it's always harder to talk about things you like than things you hate. I was speak. I, I don't know if I hate it, but I was just I was uh, thinking of who followed Stephen Colbert next year's presidential uh, press dinner. You guys remember who it was? Nope. Uh, Polly Shore. No, they 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 tried to get as you know as as hip and current as they could because they knew they it'd be really difficult to top Stephen Colbert. So they they pulled all the strings and they they brought in Rich Little. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. I guess Red Skelton was dead already at that point. I thought Rich Little was dead, but he came anyway. And I, 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 I know he was kind of insulting to to President Bush, but I didn't think it was that bad. But apparently, Bush was really pissed off about the whole thing. Cool. About Colbert? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I remember reading, reading about it afterwards. Well, uh, how could he not be? And I think like. It's different too with uh, Obama because most most of the comedians they're going to get are going to be on his side for the most part anyway. So, yeah, but they, at this point, the the past couple of years they could have br- they could bring up a lot of NSA stuff, and you know, either side could bring that up. That is true. I didn't see Joel McHale's thing from this year. Did you guys? No, I didn't see it. I saw it, um, but I don't remember anything specifically from it. Yeah, and I think great... I did see Stephen Colbert's, but I just think I don't remember the specifics of it at this moment. Exact yeah. moment. No, no, that's yeah. <laughs> but I think the I other the other good thing about the Colbert speech wasn't just taking out uh, President Bush, but was how he insulted the the press too. Exactly, so, that's what I remember about it. Now you're now my brain is awake again. Yes. That so was he's 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 in front of a hostile audience where not only maybe they'll laugh at the at the political jokes, but he's also insulting them. So it's. He was taking both sides on at one time, and it was really awesome. And, and that was one of the, the conspiracy theories that they reported. There was someone – the Bush had done his own comedy bit before it because that's a tradition that the president has writers write him up a comedy bit, and they, he goes first. So the day after the event, the press reported on Bush's stuff but didn't even talk about Colbert. So there was a whole conspiracy theory that, well, why aren't they – because they were insulted, they didn't even want to report on it. Well, the truth was that – well, the truth, according to them, was it was past deadline, but whatever. They didn't make a big – it didn't become a big deal till days later when right. it got on C-SPAN. 
Well, I think I remember that now. Yeah. yeah. I I love uh, I I really hope Stephen Colbert kind of keeps some of this up, at least political humor when he goes to uh, the Late Show. But I think we may have talked about this on on the show before too. I love the Daily Show and the Colbert Report, but I think what Stephen Colbert does is much harder than what John Stewart does. I think John Stewart said said as much. Yeah, I agree. Because. Stewart's well, just, it, it was um, interesting. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say he's just skewering them um, up front, and it's all pretty pretty obvious. Um, not, which is not to detract from what he does, but the satire is on a different level. But yeah. um, Stephen Colbert talked about that in an interview with Terry Gross. He said, "Well, and I paraphrasing could get it completely wrong, but he said that he really looked up to John Stewart. That was kind of like his idol, and." He at the beginning he sort of copied him and he said, you know, I have to do my own thing because um, you know, otherwise just copying somebody you love badly is is not really what you want to be doing. And I think Costello had said as much about uh Bruce Springsteen that when he started out he sort of was imitating Bruce Springsteen and also came to this point where he thought, No, you know, me imitating Bruce Springsteen is never going to be a good thing. And it was, he said it was funny because John Stewart's favorite singer is Bruce Springsteen and uh, Stephen Colbert's is Elvis Costello. So it was kind of a cute story <laughs> he shared. <laughs> oh, that's cool. And yeah, I saw that link. I didn't realize it was from Fresh Air. I just, I didn't listen to it. I just read because I had the transcript at the bottom. It was it's like a multi part show where he went on a few times and he just played and talked about his favorite music or music that had influenced him. Um, because he was brought up Catholic, so that was also something that came up a lot in the conversation. Um, and uh, things about his personal life that his father, you know, had died when he was young, that he um, got rid of his southern accent very quickly once he got to Second City, I think, or even before. For that, um, so a few personal things that he shared, including the story about um, Costello and Springsteen. I, I think that's an, an awesome thing about Colbert. His personal, the tragedy—not that it's awesome—the tragedy he went through and how he he used that to to I didn't use it, but it, it's how it formed him into the person he became. That the half his was it half his family or all his brothers. A lot of people in his family died in the plane accident, and after that, he he became obsessed with Lord of the Rings and just read it over and over again, and that formed of the kind of person he became. And I think he became very religious too. From that's why I've gleaned from interviews I've read over the years. Yeah, it's strange that he's um, so staunchly Catholic when he's also um, so science-minded, and and how he can reconcile those those two elements but uh, he's not ever obnoxious about his catholicism so it's i have no problem with it and he's not i mean he doesn't seem dogmatic about catholic doctrine or anything either so i think there's lots of catholics who believe in science you'd be surprised they're just not the most vocal ones right right no of course (laughs) you it's always the extremists who get heard yeah i think the stephen colbert brand of Catholicism is what I grew up with so I'm always surprised to see the other kind the I forget the name of that group but the the Henry I forget there's a group that's always in the news when any kind of negative depiction of Catholics shows up and it's just like oh my god this is a terrible you're a terrible person Terry O'Donoghue I think his name is is, go away but I thought isn't self-hatred part of the Catholic doctrine (laughs) it kind of is just guilt yeah, guilt, but that can easily lead to self-hatred. 
I think the whole, I think our whole country's Catholic slash Jewish, no matter what we were raised, um, as far as the guilt goes. And the self-hatred, I see. (laughs) But I do think, uh, I think that was very smart of Elvis Costello to, to um, say he didn't want to be just an imitation of Bruce Springsteen. I think uh, you just look at Bob Seger and you can see why Costello made the right choice. (laughs) But Colbert, yeah, so Colbert is great. Like, I don't even know what else to say except that uh, I love Stephen Colbert and I really, really hope his show um, maintains this the same level when he moves to network. I can't see how, I mean, I guess I might be wrong, but he's so, so intelligent. I, I know that things are going to change. There's not going to be as much political humor because you need, you can't have that on a, on a show that's, that's, that's targeted to the entire country and not just to whatever comedy central is trying to get. But I think it's still going to be more intelligent than the other shows just because he's a part of it and really funny. Yeah. So I don't I, see how it couldn't be really. I can't wait to see what he what he puts together, what what the format's like, and because I guess he probably has, you know, an open to do whatever he wants. So it, where is it, where it's going to be set, not set, but where like, is he going to be New York, LA? I don't even think they've decided that stuff yet. I would imagine he'll stay in New York, but I think so. Or is he going to go into the Ed Sullivan Theater? Or are they going to put him someplace else? It's just all that stuff. I can't wait to find out. I can't wait to see how it all looks. Is he going to have a band? I don't know. It's fun. But he is dropping the persona, right, for the for the talk show. Yeah, he's creating a new one. Oh, is it's, he? Uh, it's French, like French, French, not just fake French. Oh, good. That'll be that'll be perfect. And, it, and when I say French, I mean the whole show will be in subtitles. En français. Yes. Yeah. Oh, nice. Wee wee. That'll be good for Jessica. Don't they? Do they speak <laughs> French in Belgium? They do. They speak French, Flemish, and German, depending on what street you're in. I don't. I don't know that Flemish is a language. It's just clearing your throat <laughs> a lot, right? It's related to Dutch. So most Belgians have to look at a map before they start speaking. They, yeah, that's right. You have to have like your Google Maps open as you walk down the street. It must have been so confusing in in the old days, by which I mean the 1990s, before yeah. there was Google Maps. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yahoo Maps were pretty good too. <laughs> and Travelocity. So what do you think? Yeah, talk a lot about stuff you love. Right? <laughs> what do you think, Jessica, about uh, the new, the, the late show with Stephen Colbert? How do you think it's going to be? Well, when I first saw David Letterman um, back in probably in the 80s, um, it was super exciting. It was something totally different. And he wasn't this sort of established um, show that we know today. So I, I'm excited or I hope that it can be that exciting again even though Stephen Colbert already had a show I think he's definitely somebody who has the capabilities to make something completely different fresh exciting and keeping all the the best things that were in his his last you know the show he has now so looking forward to it yeah I'm looking forward to it too I watched the Seth Meyers um first episode I think we did it yeah we did yeah, a podcast. I, yeah. I haven't I watched it since that. so I did you guys did I, uh, oh go ahead sorry Go ahead. Did you guys see the the bit on the first episode of Jimmy Fallon where Stephen Colbert came out to to pay off the bet and he paid it in quarters or yeah pennies? yeah pennies pennies yeah, that yeah. was really funny and it, it, it has a, a more of a you think about it more now that he's he's a competition so I th- hope the first episode of Jimmy Fallon does something on on Colbert's show. 
Oh, yeah, because they, they did have like a running gag with the thank you notes, I think, in the beginning also. Um, yeah, they, they, yeah, they've gone back for, back and forth for a while with the uh, mm -hmm. Ben and Jerry's ice cream and everything. But they're going to be, so they'll be in direct competition now, though. Right. Well, weren't they already? Wasn't Colbert Report on at the same time? I guess, but you know, it also repeats like 5,000 times throughout the day, so. Yeah, it doesn't feel yeah. as, as direct as when it's, the the same like the same little late night prime uh, not prime the what's it called the net, networks that are over, over the air networks it's just I mean I don't it doesn't matter as much as it used to but it still matters a little bit yeah people can watch things on demand now so they can watch all the shows if they want to yeah yeah it won't really make big a, a big difference and they're all getting paid lots of money whether people watch or not so they're <laughs> they'll be successful. <laughs> They get to have a show, so I don't, I don't know. Conan didn't last too long. Yeah, that was. It's funny that how I'm not even interested in Conan anymore, even though I was a big fan. It's I, there's just so many other choices that are better at this moment. I thought he his his Tonight Show wasn't very good. I think that's the that's part of the problem that people don't really talk about that his Tonight Show was mediocre. I think you're it was right. Not, was not nearly as good as late night and the TBS show is not that great either. It's okay, but it's not, it's not as good as late night circa five years before he moved. It kind of went downhill. I don't before. know. I, and there's no masturbating bear anymore. Well, well I, I there think is he in can. my heart. <laughs> Mine too. There I love in, that masturbating bear in my pants. There's, I think there's a, I, I think I see clips from Conan. Like that's kind of the only way I even see talk shows anymore is like on social media, people will post clips of the best thing that happened on, on talk shows the previous night. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen some really funny stuff from the Conan show, but I, I haven't, I haven't watched it, but to be fair, I haven't watched anybody else too much either. So I think his bits are, are still pretty funny. They're not as good as they used to be, but his interviews aren't as good. I, there's just something about them that they don't, they just seem more scripted than they ever had when it was late night. I, I like his banter strange. with with Andy Richter, and then sometimes they'll if they have like comedians on, um, and then the three of them are sitting there. It can get really funny. So yeah, there are Andy's moments, yeah, that you've got some some funny, like seemingly unscripted stuff going on. Like when Aziz Ansari was on, that was pretty funny. There's like when he gets young comedians on, and there's the three of them. It can be it can be spontaneously funny sometimes. But. Which, Stephen Colbert, I think, will will hopefully, uh, as you guys said, bring something new to the the late night game. Um, hopefully, I think the biggest change that anyone could make is have the the couch on the other side. I don't know why no one does that. That would be so awesome. Have the couch to the host's left. Yes, that would really mess with the cameraman, wouldn't it? It would. They'd have to switch over at least three feet in one direction. Um, that would be hilarious. That's true. Nobody ever has done that. Okay. Well, we put your. Uh, I think Colbert's taken suggestions for his new talk show, Pat. So uh, go ahead and give him a drop on email. I'll tweet it to him. Although I think maybe he doesn't like the tweet account anymore. Oh, since he got called out for uh, cancel Colbert. Yeah. Well, that was a bit ridiculous. I yeah, mean, that was. <laughs> it was, we're, I don't know. I think we're all liberals and we're all, but I think that was somebody trying to make their own name. Well, they had no idea about the context of the 
apparently not situation and they were just using it to their advantage yeah i don't know i think weird. the other problem was that i mean the tweet came from the show it wasn't from his personal account and the tweet took took the joke out of context as well so that was a problem too yeah i i suppose but it was all a bit ridiculous um it was but everything that's on tell i mean every kind of every comedic um you know, when somebody's just doing their show, if you take any of that out of context, it can have a totally different meaning. That's like in any case. So I think that's the problem with Twitter. And if you would just take an isolated quote out of a, a Louis C.K. stand-up show, it would be completely, you know, he'd be getting in trouble all the time. Yeah. And I mean, Patton Oswalt has had a lot of fun with that too. Um, the limitations of, of Twitter and how easy it is to be misunderstood. And he's purposely, you know, played with people in that way. Um, yeah, he's off. He's offline till September. He said, "Pat Oswald." That's what he tweeted. Yeah. Is there a reason for that? <laughs> or Facebook on Facebook because of the recent um, debate, and he he posted like a whole long par- couple paragraphs about it on Facebook like two weeks ago. Uh, but he's going offline until September. Wait, what debate? So. Um, about the shooting in Santa Barbara. Oh, right, right. And then there was this, I can't remember the hashtag now. Yes, all women. Yes. And yeah. because of this whole debate, because a lot of his fans are, we hate women, um, hashtag, they, they got into a big debate about that debate. And he probably engaged. I didn't read it all. But in, in the end, uh, for a while, no. Oh, wow. That's weird. Wait, his fans were doing We Hate Women? <laughs> no, but I mean, a lot of Patton Oswalt's fans are kind, you know, he has this sort of group of fans that are misogynistic and that get all, you know, rapey and hatey towards women sometimes. Really? And that's happened in the past <laughs> when he's made certain opinions of his known. Those uh, apparently, which I haven't personally noticed, a lot of male fans of stand up. Um, you know, get a little bit anti-women, especially online. There was this, um, on W. Kamau Bell's show, they had two comedians talk about rape jokes. Saw it, yeah. And the woman that was on got, like, terrible, 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 you know, hateful responses on social media and got completely attacked just for, you know, voicing her opinion on that show. And uh, I guess, you know, those kind of opinions were voiced towards Patton Oswalt and on his social media accounts as well. Okay. So, it, I mean, it, obviously, Patton Oswalt is not a misogynist. No, not at all. Okay, He's that, always that's where takes, I was Sorry, confused. he takes the yeah. women... No, he takes the, you know, he takes the feminist point of view, as he should. Yeah, I saw yeah. that one on uh, on the W. Kamal Bell show. Well, I saw a clip of it online. And, yeah, that was pretty disgusting. Did you see that one, Pat? No. It was it was all about, you know, the rape jokes. And, uh, and she had written something. It was about Tosh. Yeah, Tosh. Yeah. Yeah. It, and she had written something about it, and and people would were writing to her and, and were saying, "Yeah, like anybody ever want to rape you, you fat, ugly bitch, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of that. So, oh, and worse things, yeah. <laughs> that's wow, that's a bummer. That, I mean, I guess you can't you can't just constantly block people either, and you know you do want to have freedom of speech, but yeah, I would imagine that would get really tiresome if you've got uh, hundreds or however many of misogynistic emails or tweets coming your way. Well, he's to, always uh, yeah, been open uh, to talking to people. So I also have to think that Patton Oswalt 
probably feels a little sick that his fan base is so misogynistic. That it's not just people who disagree with him, but it's also people who are fans of his work that disagree with him on such a you know fundamental a, a level. Topic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there you you can't control that either. I mean, I think his he's made his positions on these things clear from the beginning. So that's just I mean, you can't control who who likes you. But yeah, I could see how it would it would annoy the shit out of you. Well, yeah, I didn't I didn't read all of it, but um, I did see that one pass by on Facebook. So and, and I and was Patton sad. <laughs> he's kind of I mean, stand, stand up, stand up comic fans might be misogynistic, but so are a lot of nerds. And Patton Oswalt kind of is a big nerdy. He's, he's big in the nerd community, like the uh, Star Wars fans, sci fi fans, that kind of thing. So it's kind of so on the Venn diagram, you know, it's a big yeah. group. Yeah. Big <laughs> crossover. Well, I think men's he, rights people like him. I think you can just say a lot of men are misogynistic. (laughs) We could probably say that. Yeah. Yeah. Not all men. God damn it, Pat. (laughs) I told you only in private. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think we've brought the uh, tone of the show down. Well, I guess you have to stand up for your rights. (laughs) Have we? We, Good. (laughs) Yeah. Have Have you guys been watching Louis C.K.? Have you been watching the new show, the new series? I have. I mean, I I love it. I don't think Pat's caught up at all. No, I'm still in the first season. God damn. Oh, the second season, or is it the third season now? I don't know, but it's completely different than the past one, and he's been releasing two episodes at once. Yeah, and it's been like kind of a long storyline, and it's been not... Oh uh, man, I gotta catch up. That sounds great. It's also it's not been beautiful. super comedic, but it's it's right. been almost more like a drama. Then it's season. on Comedy Central again. No, it's on FX. FX. Oh, it's a, yeah. It was always FX. Is it FX or FXX? I think it's just FX still. Oh, I thought it followed. It's always sunny. No, I think the league did, but I think Louis stayed on just regular FX. That's confusing. It is, but it's been a great season. This season of Louis. You'll be he proud brought a lot more of his surrealism into it. A lot now. more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I liked it a lot. The, the news hurricane reports. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, we shouldn't do any spoilers then for Pat. No, we won't. Except I will spoil this. I I want to know how he filmed that hurricane episode because that was insane. Looking. I was Googling it. Like at the time I'm like, did Louie film in the hurricane? <laughs> like, yeah. But he didn't, I guess not, but I don't know how he did it either. Yeah. He had to recreate it. But um, I, I was thinking, was he crazy enough to film in the hurricane? <laughs> no, he was not. He's just that good. That's it good looks like he did. Well, should we, uh, are we done with Colbert? Now that we've brought it uh around to uh, depressing topics? I think so, but I have something to tell you that you'd be proud of me for, John. You finished The Wire first season. No. Shit. Fuck. I finished the first season of Orphan, Bla- Orphan Black. Oh, that's not nearly as good, but at least you finished something. Yeah, it was great. Because I'm pretty sure you said by June you were going to finish the first season of The Wire. I did, but stuff happened, so I kind of slowed down. Uh-huh. Not enough stuff happened to keep you from watching all of Orphan Black, apparently. But there's only ten episodes of Orphan Black. All right. Well, it's just twelve of the wire. Anyway, Aww. I watched the first season of Orphan Black, and it was fun. Everyone should watch it. That's not my recommendation. That's John's recommendation from two months ago. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> she really. When you said she was amazing, I thought it was just like, oh, okay, I'll watch it, and she'll be good, and whatever. And then I watched it, and she's amazing. She is. She's she's the best thing on TV right now. Have you have you watched that, Jessica? 
I, I haven't yet, but I have listened to your recommendations, so I will try to check it out. Haven't seen it yet. I will say that I'm caught up on it, and um, in the last season that they showed, they maybe went a little bit overboard with something, but I won't. I won't spoil anything. But I, where I was almost groaning a little, but it's still it's still worth watching. Oh, and you talk about the rest of the cast isn't that good. Matt Fuhrer is pretty good. Wait, who is that? Uh, Doctor Leaky. Oh, Leaky. Wait, is, was he Max Headroom? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a real actor. Yeah, a lot of them are are uh, kind of cartoonish, and but but you know they're supposed to be, so it, it's fine. A lot of people have problems with her brother, but I don't have a problem with him. This no, I, I think he's fine. Anyway, well, let's let's get off this since Jessica has no idea what we're talking about. Um, so, in the Elvis Costello versus Stephen Colbert, who wins? Stephen Colbert. Hmm, that's tough. Elvis Col- Costello for me. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to call but it a draw. I want to say Stephen Colbert because he can sing. Remember the song? That's right. Letterman? Can yep. you sing? Stephen Colbert <laughs> can. Take that, Elvis. Well, I think Colbert definitely wins against Letterman at this point in time. Uh, but yeah, I'll call it a draw. Okay, well, should we do recommendations then? Sure. Jessica? Okay, so I'm going to... I don't know if this is all pop culture or not, but I'm going to recommend a blog <laughs> that I look at every day, and it's called ratsoff.com. R-A-T-S-O-F-F.com. Like hats off, but with rats. Oh, it's an extermination Correct. blog. Good. <laughs> Lots of rodents, rodentia. No, um, it's, it's just sort of a conglomeration of things from Tumblr and all over the internet um, but most of them make me laugh or make me smile or crack me up and um, or are pretty to look at so it's updated daily or almost every day uh, and it's really fun. So, so it's some kind of like aggregator type thing? Yeah but there's an actual person who seeks out Oh things. okay cool. <laughs> Miss, Miss Mary somebody. <laughs> I can't think of her last name. Louise anyway. Parker. Uh No. <laughs> Miss Mary but, Miller. Uh, Yes. Are you online now looking it up? Yeah, it, is, it <laughs> so, does look good. It's a very good one. So I would recommend that. Um, and I recommend, so I don't even know where this is going to be viewable. Apparently there is a biography of Fluxus coming out, a new film. Um, and it will be, it's called Traveling into Fluxus. And it will be premiering June 14th at the Cinema Arlecchino in Bologna, Italy at the Biogra Film Festival. <laughs> and it's uh, interviews with the living Fluxus artists around the world. So it, it is a documentary, not a It's a documentary. Not Sorry, a biopic. not biography. Sorry, yeah. documentary about uh, the Fluxus art movement. And the interviews are conducted by Gianluca Ranzi, who is a top writer, curator in the art world, and who is a good friend of mine. So I'm curious to see the film coming out. And I, there is a um, Sounds to me like trailer. you get a free screener. I know, I know. I have to get a hold of him. <laughs> he's, uh, he's been too busy traveling around the world trying to get the film made. You have to test how good a friend he really There's is. There's a trailer. <laughs> he is traveling into Fluxus, yes. So we can watch the trailer on YouTube. You can watch the trailer on the website travelingintofluxus.com. All right, and I'm, I am kind of, it sounds like maybe you should uh, get in touch with him and have him do the podcast because I think Pat and I can talk Fluxus for hours. I'm sure as as much as we can talk Costello and Colbert for hours, we could talk Flexus. He could talk Flexus for hours. Okay, you got an, any more? That's it. Oh, okay. Uh, 
You got anything, Pat? Yeah. Uh, I think this week I'll recommend a comic book series called Deadly Class. It's a teenage kid in the 80s and living in, I think it was San Francisco, gets called into an assassination academy and he gets drafted into it to become, it's kind of like Harry Potter meets, I don't know what, but he's in this school that teaches him how to be an assassin because he's obsessed with the idea of killing Ronald Reagan. And it's about what it sounds. It's good. Sounds right up our alley. What's it called? Deadly Class. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to kind of go along with yours, Pat, and I will uh, I will recommend Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Have you read that? No. It was a comic series, and it's very uh, dark. Sometimes, you know, uh, some potty humor in there, but... Overall, I I really enjoyed it, um, and it's it's come out in it's been like anthologized in a graphic novel form, you know, into a book form. Um, but uh, I don't know how you say this guy's name. Jonan Vasquez is the is the creator, and uh, it's about a kid who's a homicidal maniac, and uh, it doesn't really pull punches with that. It's it's comedic, uh, comedic and dark. It's not like an, uh, any kind of dramatic storyline or anything but uh yeah that's my pick johnny the homicidal maniac not for everybody uh for almost nobody in fact but uh, if it's for you you'll know within a few pages uh the end (laughs) (laughs) what what are the lessons to be learned from johnny the homicidal maniac yeah um i think just that sometimes uh murder can be funny. funny Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and psychosis. If you can't laugh at those, what can you laugh at? It's just, you know, universal humor. I think so. A homicide. Uh, Pat, you want to give the spiel? Oh, like us on Facebook. Rate us highly on iTunes. Write us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com if you'd like to be a guest on the show. You have comments about the show. You really like... Uh, to talk to people on the internet or you just have ideas for what we should t- John and I should talk about um, and tell your friends to listen yes as Jessica has and and as they have for at least one episode we know yes all, uh, thank you for <laughs> listening all, Jessica, all Jessica's friends I hope you enjoyed it Do thanks you're a Belgian. guys <laughs> none of them speak English Pat you're wasting your breath on the show really? again. You guys are so much fun. Oh, thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for the idea, and thanks for coming on again. It's always yeah. You're invited back anytime. Especially well, you guys crack me up. Oh, thank you. Up all the time to laugh now, but when I'm listening to the podcast, it, it always I always start laughing, and I really enjoy it. Yeah, we're never that funny when you're actually talking to us. I think <laughs> uh, if you listen to the podcast that, that comes next week, you, you might not laugh. We'll too change much. your mind. We we recorded. I'll just put out a warning now. Probably our worst episode ever. Um, it was pretty deadlyish to to get through. Actually, I haven't listened back to it. Maybe it's all right. I don't think it's the worst ever because that's the first episode. But it was pretty bad. It, uh, next week we're doing uh, Maya Angelou ver- or Robert Frost versus Maya Angelou, and neither John nor I know anything about poetry, so that's oh what you're gonna get. <laughs> and we we both literally probably uh, prepped. For like an hour before, by which I mean yeah, that's when we, we did our Wikipedia research and read the poems. We've been busy with the REM episodes, so we and we ha- and I'm going away next weekend. Well, so I think we- that is going to be your opus mag- magnum opus. Your- 
Or magnum <laughs> opus of poop. REM. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. It'll it'll be oh. good. I thought we were talking Bloom County. So thank you one, once again, Jessica, and uh, we will definitely have you back. And I guess I'll just say until next time, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah.